This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. Uh, One of those decisions is to subscribe to one of our free newsletters for more money advice that you can trust at clark.com slash newsletters. Today, if you like to celebrate Valentine's Day, you may be shopping for gifts. Don't wait till the last minute. Jewelry is something many of us give our sweethearts, but wow, counterfeiting is going crazy in the jewelry market. And later, something that's been costing retailers a lot of money that may or may not be passed on to you as a consumer is internal and external theft. I'm going to tell you what big companies are doing to fight back that is a real inconvenience for you and me. So counterfeiting has become a massive problem in jewelry. And my wife was showing me a piece of jewelry that she had bought online that when I was talking to her about this, that she discovered was a counterfeit because she was in a store that carried the item And she realized that the one she had was not right, that there was something not right about it. And it turned out, yes, it was a counterfeit. And she had bought it in good faith, thinking she was buying the real article, bought it from a third-party selling site, and it turned out to be a counterfeit. Ironically enough, she had some jewelry that she was selling on a used site And they rejected it and sent it back to her saying that the item was a counterfeit that she had bought from the actual store originally that marketed their own jewelry. In that case, they made a mistake. It was authentic. But this area is something that's got everybody in the jewelry business on edge because the counterfeits, in many cases, are more convincing than they used to be. So it means they lose a sale of their product and people are buying something with their logo on it or their imaging and it's not the real thing. And so the counterfeiting is a real problem for you as a consumer if you in good faith pay what you think is a good price for that item, but it turns out to be a counterfeit that has basically no real market value. When you go shop for jewelry online or through social media or a selling site, uh, no matter the best efforts of Amazon or eBay or any other sellers, this is a big problem and a big headache where the counterfeits are being marketed and being sold on what are reputable platforms and you think you're buying something that is as represented, 
and it later turns out to be a counterfeit. If the price is too much lower than what you know to be the retail price of that item, even buying it used, that's a pretty good tip-off that the item is, in fact, a fake. And if somebody goes to Canal Street in New York and they're shopping at those stalls with the hidden rooms behind them, you know what you're buying is not the real thing. And that was so obvious. And there's an equivalent kind of thing that exists in San Francisco and you go overseas and there's the sale of all the counterfeit items. But online, it's harder to tell that. There aren't those physical signs that you know you're buying counterfeits. But the massive price difference from retail is a good tip. The other thing is you could buy something at a third-party seller that is, let's say, 25% below the brand name, and you're thinking that gives it additional credit. If it's 75% off, you are pretty well signal that it's a fake. But what if it is only 25% off? What's the key thing to protect yourself? Buy only through a website that guarantees a full refund of your money if the item turns out not to be the genuine article. And that one thing will protect you and means likely that you're dealing with a site that is verifying the item as best they can with authenticators before it's put up for sale on that site. And, you know, if you're buying jewelry that you just want to be attractive, don't worry about the brand name. Don't worry about this. Buy something that looks good, that you think your sweetheart will enjoy, rather than focusing on a brand name that may be a false lead that the item actually is not that brand to start with. Have you ever mistakenly bought something that was a counterfeit, Krista? No, I don't usually buy. I'd rather buy the counterfeit because I don't, I lose things like sunglasses, bags. I'm, I don't buy so that you, stuff. You are a receiving <laughs> counterfeit property? I mean, I don't really. I, I don't just really, buy I don't, off brands. I don't like stuff. I do actually. I mean, I can't remember the last time I bought anything that had a logo on it because I don't like advertising for people for free anyway. You know what I mean? So I haven't experienced that. Now you told me you used to buy stuff like that at Target. Is that not your go-to anymore? You buy like sunglasses and things oh, like yeah. that there? No, I buy those things there. Okay. Those aren't brand names. Right. Right. Target isn't a brand. I mean, those aren't so expensive that I'm not worried about losing them. So it's all relative. Like I'm not buying Gucci glasses. That's for sure. But I'll buy glasses at Target or I love Marshall's, TJ Maxx. They'll have some good, good sunglasses, but I'm not a big fan of wearing logos. Well, you know, the sunglasses that I buy have gone way up in price. They've gone up 25% in price. Yeah. The dollar store. They're now $1.25 at Dollar Tree (laughs) instead of a (laughs) dollar. And by the way, if you think that the sunglasses that you buy that are ultra cheap under $10, wherever you buy them, that they're automatically not going to be safe and protective of your eyes. We put that to the test in my TV work, and we sent a variety of inexpensive sunglasses to a lab to have them tested to see if they really were protective of your eyes. And we went 100%. Every one of the low-cost ones we bought we're fully eye protective because that's not the expensive part of sunglasses. It's whatever designer label is on them 
is the expensive part. Stephen in Florida says, my HOA recently had a 12.5% increase from 400 to 450 annually. The HOA managing agent refuses to provide me with a detailed breakdown as to why the fee went up. This is their response. The increase is mainly due to over $10,000 in bad debt, which thus far has been uncollectible. There was also an increase in the landscaping contract due to fuel costs, which has occurred in every, nearly every single HOA. The total increase in landscaping for 2023 is 39.60. The HOA dues have not been increased in over 12 years, and just about everything else is increased, including utilities, and we may expect an increase in insurance this year as well. That's the end of the quote. Clark, as a resident, I think I'm entitled to a breakdown of these charges, or am I being too demanding? A 12.5% increase in one year seems too steep to me. So, Stephen, the increase may be justified, it may not be, and the distrust has been caused by the fact that the management company representing the HOA is holding back information from you. Your HOA is your homeowners association. You have a board that you are part of electing. Find out who the current officers are. They're your neighbors. And go talk to the president or vice president of the HOA and say, hey, I, this is a unexpected added expense for me. Can I see what the budget is? And in virtually every state, you have a legal right as a resident to see that budget. You're in Florida, and Florida's had a lot of changes that have gone on with homeowner associations. The management agent, the management company should have said, we'll send you the budget. They should have made that available to you. The HOA website should have a copy of the budget, the whole budget, of what that expense overall is going to. And so that is a reasonable expectation on your part. It is something that I expect to hear back from you, that once you went to one of the board members, the documentation information you were looking for was in fact provided to you. Cheryl in Texas says, we are traveling internationally for the first time in 2023. How Congratulations. Do yes. How do you recommend finding a reputable tour company in another country without experiencing scams or identity theft. We are women looking for a Nile River cruise and exploring Morocco. Thanks for your many lessons. Well, I hope that your trip is absolutely wonderful to Egypt and North Africa. And Cheryl, what you do in a case like this is you don't, as someone who's not traveled overseas and going particularly to developing countries, you don't plan this on your own, picking your own tour operator Instead, you want to find a travel agent local to you where you live in Texas and find an agent who has the classification CTC, a certified travel counselor, somebody who's done extensive training in trip planning. You want somebody who loves traveling the globe, has been where you want to go, and you will pay him or her for their time in planning a trip for you. The fees are not ridiculously high, but they will know who are the reliable tour operators, who are the people who, there are different levels of tour operators, depending on how elegant you want the arrangements to be, how nice you want the hotel rooms to be, the meals and all that. I think you'll be fine as long as you find that experienced, qualified travel agent to serve you. And again, I think it should be somebody local to you. You can sit down with a good travel agent, will ask you a lot of questions, 
about your interests and things you've done in your past to help figure out the proper and right tour operator for you for this trip to Egypt and North Africa. And I hope you have a great time. And this is from Alicia in Oklahoma. I have my son listed as a driver under my car insurance. He recently moved to San Francisco and decided not to have a car. He plans to use Zipcar when he really needs one. Does my son need to purchase non-owner's car insurance? That is a wonderful question, Alicia. Non-owner's insurance is a great idea for liability protection specifically. So non-owner's insurance is something that's very common And big congested cities, Boston, New York, Washington, San Francisco. So it covers you when you do use somebody else's vehicle. And the liability coverage is not ridiculously expensive and would be a good idea to look at. Now, if your son has no assets at all, you know, he's just starting out, doesn't have a lot in and accounts in his name doesn't have a lot of things that somebody might get at, then it's not as urgent as it is if your son has been a good saver, has investments, things like that, then having a non-owner's policy becomes not only a necessary thing, it is a mandatory thing, in my opinion. Uh, Speaking of your son living in San Francisco, San Francisco has been front and center with lots of terrible publicity about theft rings hitting retailers, uh, retailers closing locations because of the theft problems. And this is something that the focus has been on San Francisco, but it's been an escalating factor for retailers around the country. Question is, how is it now affecting the overwhelming percent of people, probably 99% of us, who are not thieves, who are not shoplifting, who are not doing anything like that, you're not going to like some of the effects on you and me because of this problem. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Theft from retailers has been much in the news and there have been videos you see, still photos you see of these very aggressive criminal gangs that come in. These are unarmed robberies, but very violent robberies where they come in, the hammer, whatever, break display cases, grab really valuable things and go out the door. Retailers are facing such a tough time, particularly retailers that sell very high value items. I remember uh, pulling into a shopping center last year and there was a cell phone store where someone had driven a truck through the front of the store in the wee hours and broke in to get iPhones and Samsung phones. Those are the most dramatic things where it's very physical like that. And Target has said that they've seen the theft problems they've faced cost them as much as $600 million in a year. 
And theft comes two ways. It's what's known as uh, shrinkage internal theft, where a dishonest person gets on the employee of a firm, could even be a ring of thieves that get jobs and then are able to steal stuff out the back. And then there are the individuals and theft rings that are stealing from the front of the house, taking things out. And so stores are implementing more and more strict procedures and making it more difficult for the overwhelming number of people that are honest who wouldn't even think about stealing. And you go into a retailer Target, for example, you'll see more and more things locked up. And then you have to go find an employee or Target, I think they call them associates, to take care of the customer known as a guest to go and unlock whatever case it is and get the item from it. And I mentioned last year that Walmart in a lot of locations has taken a bunch of their items and put them in kind of like a store within the store. And they have pretty high walls around it. And for items that tend to be smaller, high value, that tend to be fenced pretty easily and stolen, you have to go through a separate register area, like Walmart has always done with electronics. You now have to do that with a lot of items they consider to be high value, which are things like baby formula and who knew women's razors that they're so much more expensive than men's razors to start with. My goodness, they make them pink and they can charge four times what they charge for a gray one. And it's the same thing. Anyway, that's a topic for a different time, but they'll put things like that that are big magnets for thieves. And so you got to go through this separate things. You have to check out there and then other stuff. You have to go check out at a regular register. What a pain it is. I was in a uh, Walmart, New Jersey that had like security gates getting out of that section. So you could come in it and then you had to be let out of it. Seriously. So what's happening is, you know, people automatically assume Okay, they compensate for the theft by raising prices to the rest of us. That's not how capitalism works, because the marketplace determines the prices. But then that retailer has to preserve their profits, and so they put these roadblocks in the way that the innocent get caught along with the guilty, and what a pain. But that's what we face, and it's big retailers and small ones and in between are having to do everything they can to prevent theft. On the issue of how much additional theft there is, industry people themselves argue how much it has gone up. And there was just a uh, report where a CFO of a big retailer was talking to financial analysts and said that they had not found at their chain a material increase in theft in their stores. And I mean, who knows, but it just feels like when you look at these uh, dramatic videos, that theft is, in fact, a bigger problem today. All right. Have you seen any of these things I'm talking about? Yes, I have Restricting items? Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was in college, one of my many jobs was I worked at The Gap, and I was trained to look for What color khakis were you selling oh, that day? We have flat, we have pleated, we have, I mean... <laughs> 
<laughs> Welcome to the Gap. Um, we would look for shoplifters, and I busted someone one time. This woman had a big skirt on, and then she would lift up the skirt, and in between her legs was a suspended bag, and she was throwing clothes in there. So I let the security guards know, and they got her. Oh, you said you you. No, I didn't. Got her. I didn't. I may have busted her by telling the security guards. Ben in Indiana has a question. I'm looking to replace an old water softening system. As always, before a big purchase, I turn to Clark to see if he has any advice. I was interested in comparing both salt and saltless systems, but a search of your site returned limited results. I turned to Consumer Reports, and they don't have a single report for water softeners or descalers. Not even a category for them? What gives? If 80% of households with municipal service have hard water, why is there no information on them? Ah, first of all, that is a marketing thing saying that 80% of us have hard water instead of soft. And so take that with a grain of salt. And that was a very bad pun Mm. since most water softeners employ salt. But what you do want to do is buy your own water testing kit that will be able to tell you if, in fact, there is a level in your water that would mean your hardness is too great and there's a measurement of hardness it's seven grains per gallon and a lot of these devices will do that or they'll do it metric which is 120 milligrams per liter and so if in fact you use one of these self-test kits you'll be fine you can also hire because these water softener systems are so very expensive You can hire an independent lab to come in. They'll tell you what it costs for them to come in and test your water. Do not trust the testing done by the salespeople for the water softening companies. Do this independently because we're talking about a big expensive purchase and one that plumbers want you to know you're helping them with their income because water softening systems can damage the piping in your home over time, weaken the piping and ultimately cause you a really serious problem. So you want to make sure you truly have a problem with hardness of your water before you spend the money to replace the water softening system that's already there. I once did this at a house when the water softening system died. We had a test, and it turned out we didn't need it, and we bypassed the old system. We didn't even remove the old system. It's still there, Krista. And we did not spend the money for a new one. And so the truth will come in the independent test. And the truth may find, yeah, you would benefit from a water softening system. Or it may find that that old one, you just want to cut around it and not even bother with it moving forward. This is from Andrew in Oregon. My wife and I have always sold our cars ourselves using Craigslist and previously AutoTrader, etc., We just tried to sell it on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and got inundated with people trying to scam us. People tried to get us to do fake car faxes, have us give them our phone number, etc. How do you sell a used car now if you want the highest value? I put it into Carvana and Vroom, and obviously the price was much lower than the private party sales price at Kelly Blue Book. How do I find real buyers and not just scammers now? Am I just stuck selling it to a dealer? Okay, that is a great question. Andrew, there's so much in what you just asked. It's amazing. So first, I would say that you're going to find better results at a site like AutoTrader if you're going to sell yourself. 
because you're having to pay for that listing, you're going to get a better selection of potential buyers. You list a car on Craigslist, you're going to get exactly what you've experienced. One scamster after another, after another, after another, after another. And as for the much lower price than you anticipated from Carvana and Vroom, you'd probably find the same thing if you went to CarMax right now to get a value on your vehicle. I'm concerned that Kelly Blue Book and the other pricing guides are not up to date at the moment because used vehicle prices at wholesale have been dropping so fast that huge bubble in used vehicle prices is now ending. It's already ended at wholesale and it's ending at retail. A lot of car selling Car stores, uh, you know, the used vehicle lot of new vehicle franchise dealers, independents, they're stuck with high cost inventory they bought at wholesale when values were higher and they've not price capitulated yet. So, on the other hand, when you're trying to sell a used vehicle to a dealer right now, they're really gun shy and the offer they're going to make to you is going to be almost certainly lower than the pricing guides would find. And you'll know that whether I'm right or not, if you list on AutoTrader and you find your meeting price resistance at the price that Kelly Blue Book said private seller would get for that vehicle. But I, if you have a CarMax near you, get a price from them. Whatever brand your vehicle is, go get the used vehicle appraiser at the used car lot of that brand to see what price they offer you. You'll get a pretty good feel for what you could get for your vehicle selling it to a dealer, as you said, before you list on AutoTrader to see what kind of money that will generate for you and whether that will get you the buyer you want at a higher price. I mean, obviously, you should be able to make more private seller than you would make trading in a vehicle. And from John in Texas, does having a firm buy your house for cash or selling as is ever make sense? I bought my home in 2008 when I retired from the Army. Thank you for your service very much. I've maintained it, but I have not replaced anything. Carpets, interior paint, appliances, window, moisture, etc. I figure 30 k plus to do the traditional showing and staging prep and repairs, and then another 40000 for the realtor. The house will sell for 650000 plus. I hate to put this money to just sell it or have the buyer redo everything anyway. It seems like a lot to invest when maybe I could sell to a company for around 550k and be done with it. All right, so this is a great question that I've not had in a while. And John, I will tell you, you will net out more money. Yes, you'll have the hassle, but you almost certainly will net out more money if you do the necessary repairs both cosmetic and practical, the repairs that need to be done because a buyer, whether it's a firm that will buy your house or an individual that will buy your house for cash or what are known as iBuyers, open door, offer pad, um, a lot of the others have been getting out of this business. What they will pay you, they will net out the cost of those repairs plus plus. So I think that unless you're just weary and you don't want to fool with it, know that you will be paying part of that in the money you don't get 
because you don't want to go through the hassle of having the contractors doing the repairs and improvements required. And so it is completely your choice. It is legitimate to sell to one of these firms that we buy any house, whatever, whatever. Just know there's a cost to the convenience, and that will be your decision. And once again, thank you so much for your service to our great nation in our military. I appreciate so much the wonderful, brave people who put their lives on the line so you and I can be free. And that does it for this episode. I hope the rest of your day is absolutely great. If you have an individual question or a problem or concern and you don't know who to turn to and you need advice, know that we offer that with our Team Clark Consumer Action Center that is actually 30 years old today. This day, 30 years ago, is when the Team Clark Consumer Action Center opened. And so one-on-one free advice for you is available. If you want to see how to get that advice, go to clark.com slash CAC for Consumer Action Center. Have a great one.